Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available to you on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports culture and entertainment, head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. Everybody, I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm recording this on Thursday, April 27th, 2017, from Jacksonville, Florida, the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, where the Jumbo Shrimp are back at home after spending the last 10 games on the road. It's been interesting that... 15 of the first 20 games of the year have been on the road, but the good news is that that means more home games are coming up, and 20 of the next 30 games for the Jumbo Shrimp will be played right here in downtown Jacksonville. Season's off to a good start. I know we haven't had a podcast since the Ken Sparks episode with Adam Cavalier a few weeks ago, but the Jumbo Shrimp season is off to a pretty good start. We had a really good homestand from April 12th to the 16th, where over 41,000 fans made it to the ballpark. We had at least 8,000 fans the first four nights, including two nights where he had 10,000 plus fans. Incredible atmosphere. People were loving the jumbo shrimp gear that was on sale in the merchandise store. There was a line for people to try and get in and even buy some merchandise. So uh, that was a lot of fun. It was just a great first week for the jumbo shrimp at home in Jacksonville. And I really enjoyed having my parents in town. My mom got to sing the national anthem. My dad did a great job getting some photos for our website. So uh, a really fun start to the season for the jumbo shrimp. This ball club is 7 and 13 to begin the season. So maybe not. Not the on-field results we'd like to see just yet, but a lot of games have been competitive. It's very early in the season still, so I think this still has the makings of a team that really will compete, uh, even for a playoff spot possibly later in the year. But off to a little bit of a slow start. Just had 10 games on the road in Pensacola. And also against the Birmingham Barons, so it's nice to kind of settle in and be back home for just a little bit. While I was on the road in Pensacola, I had a chance to meet a Hall of Famer, and I always try and get Hall of Famers, of course, on not only Jumbo Shrimp Network, but also on this podcast, and great to catch up with Barry Larkin. He is the special assistant to the Cincinnati Reds general manager. He was in Pensacola taking a look at some of the Reds of the future, and uh, also taking a look at and seeing some of the talent that the Jumbo Shrimp have as well. So really cool to have the opportunity to talk to a Hall of Famer in Barry Larkin. He's the first Hall of Famer that's actually been enshrined in Cooperstown that we have had on the podcast. I think there's a future Hall of Famer as well in Todd Helton that we talked to a few weeks ago in his role with the Tennessee baseball team. But incredible to get to meet Barry Larkin. And here's our conversation from Pensacola last week. Hall of Famer Barry Larkin is in town. He's the special assistant to the Reds general manager and kind of taking a look at some of these Reds in the future. But first of all, Barry, just welcome back to Pensacola. What's impressed you so far about this ball club? Well, I think the the uh, overall way they're approaching the game, they're very aggressive. Uh, they're pitching well, playing well. When you're winning ball games, you know, the clubhouse is, looks like it's everyone's in, in, in uh, working together and lockstep, and it's, it's nice to see. Uh, but I think the most impressive thing has been kind of the, the way that the guys are approaching the game. You know, we've uh, asked them to be aggressive, both on the mound and swinging the bat. We asked them to attack fastballs, and 
it looks like that's kind of what they're doing. So, uh, you know, of course, success always helps. Winning always helps. But I think the most impressive thing has been how they've really approached the game. You mentioned winning, and they're off to a pretty good start, best record in the Southern League. Does that become contagious around all these guys as they keep getting better? It does. It does. I think, uh, you know, success and winning breeds success and winning. I think guys expect to come out and, and win ball games, and it's a disappointment when we don't. Uh, there was more of an emphasis on that uh, in spring training. There was a more of an emphasis, and we spoke about it. Now, in the past, we have not spoke about the success, but we talked about the importance of winning ball games. We talked about not just going out and playing and playing well, but playing to win. So, uh, you know, it's another level of accountability, another level of responsibility that we've asked these kids uh, to really, the challenge that we've had for these kids and asked them to step up to it. And so far, so good throughout the entire organization. Uh, we've been playing well overall, but it all starts with the mindset and that aggressive mindset. And you go back to your playing career, you had a very short time in the minor leagues before you made it up to the big leagues of the Reds. But in your minor league days, what were the most important lessons you learned? Well, it was just a matter of trying to learn how to play every single day. And, uh, you know, being in college, there was a lot of practice. And then we would play on the weekends or maybe a game here or there on the weekdays. But uh, learning how to make the transition from the aluminum bat to the wood bat. Uh, but more importantly, learn how to, learning how to play every single day. When you don't have success as a college athlete and you're playing on the weekend, you know, it's like, okay, i got a couple of days to work on some things and I can go back out on Tuesday and Thursday and try it again. And then on the weekend we have the tournament. But in professional ball, it's like i got to go out there tomorrow and kind of do the same thing. And how do I avoid making the same mistakes tomorrow that I made today? So I think that was the biggest thing, and I think that was the biggest adjustment that I had to learn, to learn how to deal with the failures that were happening every single day and accepting that I was going to fail every single day and not get kind of turned off by it. And you got to be proud, too, that some of the guys you came up with, with the Reds, you guys were in the same clubhouse in 1990 when everything came together, you won the world championship. Yeah, once again, I think the, the cog in that, uh, on that team was Lou Pinella. And once again, Lou, Lou set the tone. Lou set the mindset. The mindset was, hey, listen, I don't accept losing. We're not going to lose. And, uh, you know, so we kind of have that kind of going running throughout our organization. It's a mindset. It's a, it's a very aggressive posture. And, you know, that's what we expect. We expect guys to go out there and expect them to go out there to try to win as opposed to just play the game. And, you know, that's a totally different mindset when you're going out there with the idea of I've got to win as opposed to I just got to compete. We've got to compete, but we've got to do whatever we have to do in order to win. You talk about that mindset, and as you continue going along throughout your big league playing career, did you just have some core values and core things that went into how you play the game that you're now trying to talk to these Reds minor leaguers about? Absolutely, and you know, I, I had a, I had my mentors, a lot of mentors when I was playing at the big league level. Buddy Bell was my third baseman. Ronnie Oster, another mentor of mine, was the second baseman. Pete Rose was my manager, who's got idolized. Tony Perez, uh, he was the first baseman at the beginning of my career, and then became my hitting coach. Uh, Eric Davis, another mentor of mine, Dave Parker, another mentor of mine. I had mentors all over the place and they really helped me kind of to deal with, I mentioned that dealing with, with failure, dealing with success, how to, how to kind of handle the success, how to handle the failure, how to handle myself as a professional. Uh, the responsibility of being from Cincinnati and representing the Cincinnati Reds. So there was a lot of lot of things that I learned, a lot of uh, you know core values that I still apply every day today. You know, with being a good teammate and learning how to deal with success and failure. I think those are the two of the things that you know don't just they're just not prevalent in baseball. They transcend sports and they really work their way into my personality and how I am as a person. 
and how I deal with things on an everyday everyday basis. So a lot of humility in the game because the game will humble you. And it was another life skill that uh, that I had to accept and, and deal with. And, you know, so when I talk to these players, I talk to them about all that kind of stuff. And you mentioned being from Cincinnati, a star at Muller High School, and then gets played for the Reds your entire career. How proud of you just of that, that you got to spend one career in your hometown the entire time? Yeah, very proud. I had some chances during that time where I thought I may have moved on. There were a, time, a couple times that I feel like I think I was traded. You had a Dodgers jersey at one point, uh, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I had a Dodgers jersey because the trade was already made. At least I was told. And the clubhouse kid brought me the jersey and told me that the trade had already been done. And then I got traded to the Mets, and I had to nix that trade because with my 10-5 rights. Uh, so in retrospect, yes, I'm very happy that I was able to play and stay in Cincinnati. You know, my father, my mom and dad still live there, so they were able to come and watch all the games that they wanted to. Uh, and I didn't want to ever take that away from my dad because he was there even on the businessman specials on the <laughs> Thursdays. So uh, it, it just turned out very well. And, you know, and being from Cincinnati and the support in Cincinnati, it was great. And you got to be proud, too, that even with some years away from the organization after you retired, you're able to come back now in this role. How much have you loved being around the Reds on an everyday basis now? Well, I'm a Red at heart, and uh, I didn't want to go away. I was just kind of forced to, to kind of take that time away. It was some unfortunate circumstances at the time. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, there was new people that came into the organization that respected the history and respected my relationship being from Cincinnati. And thank goodness Cincinnati people own the Reds. And so they understand how important that community is. And uh, so they asked me back, and I'm glad they did because I'm very proud to be back home. Just a couple more things. Uh, you've been involved with the World Baseball Classic before, managed uh, the Brazil team, and even the qualifiers this past year. Were you happy to see the interest, it seemed like, all across the country and around the world really gain momentum this year for the World Baseball Classic? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful tournament. I'm glad we won. USA won this year because <laughs> right. I don't know if the owners would have gone for it much more had we not. Um, but, you know, there's always some issues. I know there's some individuals that had some issues with how things were done during the tournament. There's always kinks to be worked out. But overall, I think it's a great experience. I know teams um, from other countries, and, you know, I manage the team from Brazil. I know people are very appreciative of the opportunities to compete at that kind of level. And uh, it really has spiked interest in a lot of different places. I've been working in Brazil for eight years, and the baseball in Brazil has gone has increased exponentially. And hopefully it will continue to do so, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, start producing many more really good athletes uh, out of Brazil. And I mean, so, so much that Major League Baseball now has an everyday presence in Brazil, and I think that's outstanding. So, you know, things are on the up and up, and I think the WBC has a lot to do with all that. And the last thing, I'm a Tennessee graduate, still call some University of Tennessee baseball games uh, before the Jumbo Shrimp season starts, so I had the chance to watch Nick Senzel a lot. Now he's one of the top Reds prospects, and I know you've got to work with him. What do you like seeing out of him to this point? Everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything not to like about him. I just like his posture. I just like his, his mindset. I, I, I like how he approaches the game. He's a no-nonsense type of guy. He's a young guy, but he's a humble guy. Good parents. I met his dad, had a chance to spend some time with his dad. Uh, just, just, a, just a good guy and a baseball guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's uh, going to be too long from the big leagues. And, and uh, you know, he works hard. He's, uh, he's committed to the game, and he wants to be good. So I expect all that stuff to happen for him. I hopefully just can just stay healthy. Well, Barry, thank you for joining us. Uh, best of luck in your travels throughout the Reds organization. I hope to see you again soon. All right, thanks.
big thanks to Barry Larkin for joining me again. A wonderful guy. I think he's going to be a big league manager someday, and I'm sure the Cincinnati Reds would love if one day he becomes the manager in his hometown of Cincinnati. But I really enjoyed that conversation. The season, again, is off to a really good start. And next week on the podcast, we'll have an episode early next week. I'll talk to somebody that is really doing a great job at the University of Alabama for a team that is not necessarily a varsity sport, but the Alabama hockey team. I sat down with their director of broadcasting, Kendall Grayson, before I left Tuscaloosa, so I think we're going to have a fun chat with Kendall Grayson on next week's episode. Now the season's going a little bit. We'll have more podcasts coming up, so I appreciate all of you listening to today's episode with Barry Larkin, and until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee Walls. Only you know how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing That beautiful 